Hey, welcome to the Husker Cuzcast Sports Show, the official podcast of HuskerHype.com. Justin here along with the cousins, Derek and Tyler. Well, spring break is over. Uh, spring practice is back in session here. We got session two in the books. Hey, Tyler, was there anything that stuck out with you with the, uh, the notes out of practice today? Yeah, no, I mean, no, nothing major. I think the, the most interesting thing, it just seems how a lot of the philosophies of the new coaching staff um, are a little bit more in line of what I like to see. You know, you, you hear Diedrich Young talk about uh, some of the way that the defensive philosophy is changing from gap protection to more of an attack-the-ball philosophy. And I think it just goes to what this new coaching staff is about. Uh, you know, they're going to be aggressive. They're going to play tempo offense. That was another note coming out of spring, uh, practice today. But I, I just I like the way this is going to a little bit more aggressive style overall coaching philosophy. How much of that stuff is really coach speak and just all the football cliches? You know, you hear stuff like that every year, right? Maybe I, I I just I think you well a look at the result in the field last year. Uh, I I don't know how aggressive you saw the defense playing, and I think you look at what uh, UCF did all of last year. I mean they were an aggressive team. Uh, Shaquem Griffin was a great example of that as a guy that was just he was all about it. I, I think that when the the what the players are saying matches what I've seen on the field, I, I think there's some definite truth to that. Yeah, I just, I'm just going to say, you know, we don't want to talk about Diaco too much, but you heard the exact same stuff from the players last year when Diaco's tearing down the field and running like his hair's on fire all over, you know, how intense the practices were. So, I don't, I don't know. Derek? Yeah, let's not get into Million Dollar Bob. I mean, we don't want to get into that conversation again. <laughs> okay, so here's my question for you guys. Speaking of coach speak, so Frost came out and says they are way ahead of where they were at in Central Florida in year one. And he's he's uh, giving credit to the players working hard and staying focused and their attentiveness and, and the fact that the coaches have been together for as long as they have now so they don't have to learn the offense as they're going as well. So my question to you guys is, does that maybe put a little, little more expectations on their season? Say, with with the, with the coach coming out saying they're that far ahead of what UCF was, or should or should the fans stay tapered? I don't think that adds any more expectations at all. I think it's just a good sign that hey, there's not as much of a learning curve, I suppose. You know, they're uh, but and, you and have, he's but saying you that have, from a coaching perspective. You know, with but the you coaches know, being all on the same page. I think you have to know that fans are going to sit here and try and play the card of. Well, they're way ahead of where they were at Central Florida, so now they got to be better than what Central Florida was in year one. You know, there's well, going to be fans out there that are going to say it. If there's any fans out there that are going to like raise their expectations after the completion of two spring practices, <laughs> you can't help those guys at all. <laughs> well, and, and I think they're going to be. I mean, those, the fans are already higher expectations than I think they should. I mean, our schedule next year is brutal, and I. I unfortunately feel a lot of this team's success going into next year is not even about what they do. It's that schedule. It's a daunting task. Um, but I, 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 I believe Frost at this point has nothing to lose in being honest. Uh, I think he, you know, he, he's 
definitely done his best to temper expectations. So I think if he's saying things like that, that he at least believes them. And and that and that's good. I mean, I think those are good marks to hear is that, you know, players are in a better position. The coaches are better and feeling each other. And, and you'd expect that with a staff that's been together as long as they have. Exactly. You know, three years, it doesn't matter where you're going. You know, having that coaching continuity right there, that goes a long ways to development. Uh, one of the things that stood out to me, and not that it's a big surprise, uh, but it was nice to certainly nice to see J.D. Spielman getting some punt returns, uh, getting some snaps at punt return. He's obviously the most dynamic guy that we had on special teams last year with his kickoff return. So that, that was awesome. That was good to see. Uh, we saw what happened with DeMorne Pearsonell last year. It was a, you know, it, it, he didn't live up to his freshman hype yet again. And uh, so I'm hoping J.D. Spielman and the new uh, special teams punt return philosophy will change to get some dynamic returns. Let J.D. Spielman shine. Derek? Well, speaking of special teams from that, from a couple of years ago, did you guys see that uh, Bruce Reed found a job? Uh, you hired Arizona. him. Yeah, it was Arizona. like Arizona Western or something like that, or was it just Arizona? I thought it was Northern Arizona. Or Northern Arizona. Some, there you go. There you go. That's right. Northern Arizona. Uh, some directional Arizona team. Yeah, pretty much. So the, the thing about the Spielman uh, returning punts, or not necessarily returning punts, but they're practicing the catching the punts was they're putting towels under both their arms to try and catch the ball. And all I could sit here and think to myself is how awkward that would be trying to catch a ball, trying to hold two towels under your arms. Now, if it keeps down on muff punts, I guess so be it. That'd be great. But it just seems kind of awkward running around with two towels under your arms, I guess. Cause it's not like the punts coming directly to you. You're still going to have to run. As long as they're clean towels, I don't think they're mine. <laughs> hey, I want to talk about this quarterback battle that uh, we expect to be uh, occurring. Uh, Tyler, do you have any thoughts on this quarterback battle? I know it's only two practices in. But. Well, I, I think this is obviously going to be the, the most eyed uh, news coming out of spring ball is who gets the edge in the quarterback battle. Um you know, there's been a lot of conversation about which quarterback fits the offense. We've discussed this a little bit on the podcast. I think Frost is smart enough to know um, that he he needs to fit an offense around his quarterback. And that doesn't mean change his offense, but that means it fits. And he alluded to this in the interview when he's talked about the evolution of how the quarterbacks play from having more of a running quarterback to less running. And, and I, I think he's going to be fine in adjusting it and, and Derek, I'm going to surprise you a little bit on this, but the guy I have the favorite going into fall is Patrick O'Brien. And, and I, I thought about this pretty hard, and I, I like Tristan Gebbia. I think he's got more upside. I think he's probably eventually a better fit to the Frost offense. Uh, Brian Wilson was on last week, which gave us a great interview. If you guys, anyone at home listening has it checked out, but um, talked about how Tristan Gebbia ran a very similar offense, but the bottom line with Gebby is I just don't think physically he's going to be ready to be a starting quarterback in the fall. Um, I, I just think he's still a little undersized. I think you look at Patrick O'Brien being that next runner up, and I, you know, I don't want to say process of elimination, but I think he is the guy going into the fall that I expect to take this job. Derek, well, you, you may be right. Uh, 
Jibby, as far as his size goes, apparently has put on like 10 pounds of muscle over this over this winter, and that'll help him because he was like 185. I think they have him listed at maybe 195 now. I still I have to see it to believe it, I guess. But, uh, you know, I get what you're saying. I understand what Brian Wilson was saying. I just think people discount P.O.B. for his running ability a little too much. The guy had 1,286 yards rushing in his uh, career in high school. It's, uh, 640 of them came his senior year. So it's not like the, that guy ran a fairly similar offense, too. Hell, he ran 110 times his senior year. So, I mean, it's not like the guy that, that never ran the ball. So I, I think people kind of discount him a little too much. Uh, as far as who the front runner is, I'd probably go with P.O.B., maybe just for experience as of right now. I'll, I'll probably be rooting for P.O.B. just because I've been a fan of him for a while now. But I guess at the end of the day, whoever's going to win us games is who should be there. So do you guys view this as like a, just basically a two-quarterback race, or are we going to have more quarterbacks in this? I mean, right now, today you just heard about uh, P.O.B. and Gebbia, but... Well, I mean, like Martinez, I, I, I fully expect him to redshirt. If he had played his senior year in high school, I would say he's probably in for the race. Uh, Andrew Bunch, I've heard some fairly okay thing, or I guess uh, Frost made the comment that he's done good things. I, I don't see a walk-on really winning that job. Not not at that position, at least. Uh, it, whether there's a graduate transfer or not, now that. That's up to be seen. I mean, he, that remains to be seen. Uh, Frost came out and straight up said that that's not in their interest right now to look at. They would rather wait till after spring was over to look into that. So it's it's hard to really say anything on that. But right now, I would say, yeah, it's a two-man race. Tyler, what did you think of Scott Frost's comments on uh, you know, the uh, pursuing graduate transfers or you know, other transfer quarterbacks waiting till after spring. Well, I, I think that I, I think that that's smart. And I, you know, if you can bring in a guy that has a little bit more experience, um, I, I think that's a great move. I mean, you look at going into next year, um, you know, if we keep the roster as is, we, we are playing a very young quarterback and a new system. So if you can find a guy to come in and maybe not even start but compete from that grad transfer. I mean, that that's a move that you've got to look at if you're Scott Frost. Um, Frost knows the expectations. He he. I do not believe for a second that he is going in this next year with his hands in the air saying, oh, the schedule schedule's tough. It's my first year. I don't really care what happens. He knows the expectations. And if he can get a senior that gets a one-year hit and he can have another year with P.O.B. and Tristan Gibbia to kind of work that out and – Martinez hopefully gets in the fold um, his second year. I think that's a move he's going to try to make. The question is, can he find the guy that's going to be there? And I think the where he feels after the spring is going to allude to how hard he pushes for that. Uh, speaking of quarterbacks, uh, Nebraska offered a uh, quarterback, uh, Luke McCaffrey. Uh, yes. He's out of the Denver area. Is that yes, correct? he is. Yes, he is. Um, his, uh, obviously, uh, his dad, dad, Ed McCaffrey, played for the Broncos a very long time. His older brother, um, I don't know where he is right, but it was a top five quarterback who is playing 
or is at Michigan right now. Um, so he, you know, good athletic heritage. Um, and you know, you, you think you, you see a lot in, uh, his older brother was at Stanford and had a really good career there. Uh, I, I, it's a really good athletic family. Um, and he made the comment that he was really excited about that offer. That, that would be a good get. I think there's a couple quarterbacks, the kid out of Sioux, uh, Sioux city, um, I'm blanking on his name, but the quarterback, uh, Actually, going into yeah. next year. Yeah, that's right. And I think, they're, they're definitely looking to make another quarterback move for next year's roster. Say that Sioux Falls kid's uh, name again. Max Dugan. Max Dugan, there you go. Uh, do you think we have a shot at either of these two guys? A, a, real, a realistic shot. But t- Tyler is really more the expert. I think we have a very good shot at Max Dugan. Uh, Luke McCaffrey, I'm not so sure about. And, and Tyler, I just got to tell you, I think you downplayed his brother a little too much. Christian McCaffrey almost won the damn Heisman. He's playing for Carolina Panthers now. I mean, he wasn't just a really good athlete. I mean, the guy was, like, top-notch. F- f- fair enough. Uh, th- honestly, I forgot about him when I started the McCaffrey Heritage. Uh, I was like, yeah, he has, he has an older brother that's a backup quarterback at Michigan. That That's that's yeah. who I thought of first. Uh, so, I no, I, I, I was like, Bring yeah, he had another brother. That's right, Christian McCaffrey. Yeah, I've completely blinged on him for a second. That's it's crazy. his fault. It's his fault that he played on the West Coast. Nobody sees him play. Okay, <laughs> that's why he dies. That's why nobody from the West Coast ever wins the Heisman. That's their excuse every year. Uh, any other tidbits from spring practice or quarterbacks we want to get into? Uh, Chris Walker moving to defensive line. I don't think that's a big surprise to anybody, but I think it's kind of cool that the coaches are willing to let the kids play where they want. So they can get a little more, get the most out of them. Yeah, he's 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 wanted to play on the defensive line for a while, and I'm glad that he gets a shot. I don't think he would have gotten a shot under uh, the previous staff, but who knows? Uh, hey, moving on. Uh, you know, we kind of talked about this last week in the uh, last call segment about the playoff debate. And that uh, spurned a long conversation after the show. So we went out and we put out a, a poll on Twitter uh, regarding the playoff debate on how many teams should the playoff expand to. Uh, so we, the options were four teams, six teams, eight teams, and 16 teams. And I'm not overly shocked about the results of the poll. 70% picked eight teams, uh, but 15% picked six teams, 8% uh, picked four teams, and 7% picked 16 teams. Tyler, was this poll surprising to you? Uh, no. I mean, I, I I believe it should go to eight teams. Seems like everyone agrees with the logic that eight teams is the move. Um, the only shocking there was that many people that agree with you, Justin, on the 16 playoff. Uh I think that would be a dumb move for the committee. I think that'd be very hard from the seeding standpoint to figure that out and how that's going to play. I think eight teams, the move, uh, I, I personally like four more than eight or more, four more than six. So, um, I, I was not shocked in, in my defense. I, I did say four teams. That's, that's what I like, but I would be open to six teams. I'll just say that, I, you know, six teams would be okay, but four teams would be impressive. Derek, what'd you think of the results of the poll? 
The only thing that shocked me is that 16 teams had the same amount of votes as your four teams, basically, more or less. <laughs> I really didn't think 16 teams would ever get any votes whatsoever. That is too many teams, I think. Uh, eight teams is the way it should be. Uh, I, I could handle six teams if we if the, if we absolutely had to come to an agreement. I could I could agree on the six teams. Four teams is just I, I, I hate the four teams. I despise the four teams. I hate the committee for having to pick four teams. I, there's nothing about the four teams is right to me. At the end of the day, I think you're right. It's gonna be it's gonna move to eight teams. Just because there's too much money involved, the ratings, the networks, the schools that get involved, you know, it's too much on the line. But uh, which format for an eight-team playoff would make most sense, Derek? Well, I, I think there's no question. You, to, to me, at least, you have to go with either e- either your five conference championships or your Power Five. In both my scenarios, I think you have to go that way. And then you could have either three wild cards or you could take the top group of five team and two wild cards. I'd be okay with either way of those. Tyler, do you agree? Yeah, I, I do. You know, that, that group of five scenario is just the interesting one. I think when we went to four playoff teams, there was a lot of speculation that that was going to open a window for a group of five team making it. And, and while I still think there's a possibility of that, happening under a 14 playoff i think everything needs to break right and ucf was the example this year they, they did not have the schedule to warrant them being a top four team but you saw what they did against auburn at the end of the day they deserve to be there and i think when you look at college football one of the things that makes college football unique uh compared to a lot of the other sports there isn't a lot of big time interconference games and when you really don't know how good each conference is, because they don't play each other, especially you don't have the two top teams from each conference like you kind of do with basketball where you have ACC Challenge and um, you have these crossover games in the NFL all the time, you can kind of get an idea. College football, you're just speculating. And when you look at those group of five teams, you really don't know how good those teams are unless they somehow get that big conference matchup. And and, and Derek, I'm with you. I think I don't know which of those systems I prefer, but I think if you go to eight teams, whether it be an automatic bid for the best group of five team or a scenario where they have to go undefeated or one loss or something to get in, but you need to create an outlet for them to get in. You can't just have the three best Big Ten or three best SEC teams make the conference championship, uh, the college football playoffs. I, I think that would be a mistake if they expanded. So. Last week, I kind of touched on this for the reasons why I wanted to keep it at four teams or maybe, you know, if need be, expand to six. But I I love the emphasis on the regular season mattering. You know, college football is the last sport in which the regular season truly matters. Uh, Nowhere else does the regular season matter as much because you you always always have uh, another opportunity to get in. You know, so you have the blow-off games. and you talk about scheduling. Uh, it kind of gives you reason to schedule better going four teams. Of course, you know, the committee is not very consistent in, you know, they, they'll penalize some teams why they can't make the playoff, i.e. Baylor and TCU, but allow other teams, you know, a path to make the playoff, i.e. Alabama last year. And the, at the end, Alabama. it'll be figured out. 
<laughs> there, there you go. Uh, but, <clears throat> you know, looking at four teams, it makes all of that more interesting. You know, you're, you're playing for a top four spot. And you know, I just kind of went through the, the old AP records. Uh, you know, before Florida State finally won the uh, championship, you know, in 2013, uh, you want to talk about uh, con- uh, rewarding conference championships. Like between 2009 and uh, 10, 11, and 12, you know, th- there were no ACC teams, like even sniffing the top 10. I mean, there were no good teams. So, you know, you, you have, you'll have years like that where co- there's going to be certain conferences where they, they're just not playoff, you know, material, you know. They're, they're slouches, and they shouldn't be rewarded when there's so many other teams that are better suited for that slot. So you're, you're, gonna, you're not going to get rid of any controversy in, in that manner just by keeping it. Yeah, sure. Some years, it's going to completely work out, uh, but there's an equal amount of footing. Derek, I know you're kidding here. Well, the, the problem with what you're saying is, yes, okay, there may be some years where you get a team in there that probably doesn't belong, i.e. 2012 Wisconsin team. And, and I understand your concern there, but the, big, but the biggest thing to me is, if they were that terrible a team and they don't belong there, they're probably going to get beat out in the first round anyway. So what does it matter? My point is in football with limited amount of games that you play, uh, you know it, it, it's a grind. It is a complete grind. So if you have a team in that scenario, this lesser team is going to be a low seed, and uh, they would probably play a number one or number two team in the poll. Why should those teams that have proved everything all year long have that chance to get upset in a one-time? Uh, move, you know, it, it, does, it doesn't make sense with the conference championships as is. They already serve as an eliminator game. If, if you lose the game, you're done. You're not getting into the playoff. But just because you win, it doesn't automatically make you playoff a playoff contender. Tyler? Well, so, Justin, here is my whole counter-argument to this is, I, I'm with you the grind, but you have these situations where and, and let's just pretend like Nebraska gets great again and you go back and we go on the road and we lose to wisconsin and we don't even get a shot at the conference champion and we have one loss why would we not deserve to get in there and and how do you know who the two best teams are like that that's my whole thing is it's all it, there's nothing objective about it. it you're you're looking and saying well this team went undefeated well they played no one they played in a weak-ass Pac-12. Like, why Why would you not allow these teams to get in there and see what happens? And we've seen this in the four-team with Ohio State and Alabama both being kind of at-large and teams that people didn't think should get in there. They've won national championships. The best team should get a shot to play. And, and, the, and people that think it's going to devalue the regular season, you tell me that when you're looking at conference basically being eliminators, you're still going to care about Auburn versus Alabama. As much as you did, because that game's still going to be an eliminator. It, whoever loses is going to have a very hard time to make the playoffs when there's only two or three at-large bids. Well, that, that's fair. Well, and, uh, like, you know, Tyler, you kind of alluded to this already, so I won't hash on it too long, but, 
you know, Justin, you were just sitting there talking about Alabama not really deserving to be in there. So why should these top teams have to prove themselves? Because you have your teams like Alabama who need to prove themselves because they didn't play anybody all damn year. They played yes. Chattanooga State in Week 11. Get the hell out of here. But whose fault is that? I mean, yeah, that's their fault for scheduling Chattanooga, you know? Schedule some teams. Make it look like that you deserve that, you know? Well, if and the NCAA would step up and just go, you know what? You're going to play Division One teams. None of this FCS crap anymore. And, and maybe force these teams to play power five, a Power 5 game. You know, don't let them schedule these patsies all the time. Well, well, and and, and, and uh, to me, that's on the committee. And yeah. Derek, I know you hate the committee, but that that the, you see March Madness committee do this all the time, where they send messages, whether it be strength of schedule, what, whatever metrics they use. If the committee wants to step up in in the system we have today and say, you know what, Alabama. You didn't impress me. I'm tired of you playing in Chattanooga State Week 11. I'm tired of you never playing a road non-conference game. You always have these neutral site games where you know you're going to be able to get more fans. And you set this system up, and now all that really matters if they win the SEC. It doesn't matter. Like If they win, sure, let them in. But until the committee sends a uh message and say we're gonna quit rewarding teams for doing this why would you not keep doing it well i get it and that's part of why i hate the committee it just makes no sense you know i mean i've always been the biggest advocator of ohio state should have made the playoff that first year and baylor got screwed out of it and tcu got screwed out of it and obviously ohio state deserved to be there because they won the whole damn thing however looking at from a committee standpoint Really, honestly, Baylor or TCU probably should have made it before Ohio State did. But yeah. Ohio State was the bigger name, so they went with the bigger name. And you could say that's not the reason they did it, but at the end of the day, you know that's why they had to have done it. Yeah. I mean, the, the reasoning that they stood behind that year is, you know, the scheduling and, you know, that they weren't a conference champion. You, know, you can't have two conference champions. You well, can't say co-champions. And, and, and the Big 12 screw themselves in that situation, too. But Regardless, even if they just announced one as a true conference champion, it, it wouldn't have mattered because they weren't consistent from there on out, from scheduling perspective, no. and damn sure a conference championship perspective. And I think that's the problem with the committee is you get that human factor in there, and there's always going to be those things that every year. It's never, it's never going to be consistent, and that makes it so difficult. And you can talk about the NCAA and the committee making it for uh, for the basketball, but the difference is you got 68 teams making it. I mean, that's almost like half the teams make it. I mean, come on. Yeah, not quite. There's like over 300 divisions wow. in schools eligible in basketball. Uh but and bring it back to football here, you know, it is probably going to go to eight teams because there's too much riding on it. And you know what? Even though that I'm against it, an eight-team playoff, yeah, it's going to be fun to watch. I want to be dialed in each and every game. It and it'll probably be funny if you know, uh, number one Alabama gets upset by a you know a, a nine and four. Pac-12 team that won the conference championship on a fluke. That'll be entertaining. 
Well, let me just throw one thing out, and I know we've all poo-pooed the 16-team playoff, and I certainly didn't vote for that. But wouldn't you also think that would be fun to watch? I mean, I get it would kind of hurt the regular season, but a a big bracket, you you would have to do a lot of changing the college football, but, you know, you look at these smaller conferences, they have these more expanded playoffs. NFL does. Um, you know, it, it, it's college football has like the smallest percentage of teams make the field. Like, wouldn't that be kind of fun to see a 16 team playoff? You know what? You're right. Cause there's 10 conferences in division one football, you know, all 10 get a automatic invite in six at larges. Yeah. If, if, if you get, if you're going to go playoff style, Go playoff style. 16 teams. I'm changing my vote right here. I want 16. (laughs) (laughs) I I think the problem becomes you have to shorten your season then. And then then you really have to start looking at the – what the season means. If you have to start shortening the season because – all of a sudden now you got these kids playing 16, 17 games. It's it's just getting to be way too much. For for kids who are getting a free education – I mean, it's it's a lot to ask out of them. I get it. Well, other schools do it. Hey, you know what? Change the regular season. Eliminate these non-conference games. Go to a ten-team regular game regular season. Uh, You know, all these conferences have expanded. Expand that out. Go to ten games. Make Notre Dame actually join a conference instead of this half-ass shit. They want to be move them to FCS. Yeah, get rid of them. Who cares? Uh, college football would be better without the Irish. Uh, well, take take Texas with them while you're at it. Oh, geez. We could play that game all that long, too. Wow. If we're going to do that, we're sending Iowa to whatever the hell farm that's going to. <laughs> we're sending them to Iran. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's move on to another conference or another playoff tournament that uh, actually kind of works uh, ncaa final four is coming up this weekend uh, we got villanova versus kansas the last two remaining number ones then also you have the cinderella story of loyola chicago versus michigan what do you guys think of this game Derek? or these games i want to meet the guy who had loyola going to the final four because I don't think there's any, any bracket out there that has Loyola in the Final Four. Can, can I tell a funny story real quick here? Yes. So, okay, last night we, we went out to dinner with a group of people, and there was this lady. And uh, she said that her family, with you know, they have a lot of young kids, and they all make brackets. And there's some of these kids as young as six years old. Well, she's a good-hearted person, so she doesn't want, you know, like six-year-olds, some of the kids to finish dead last. So she wanted to tank her bracket without tanking her bracket, you know, making it look like it was obvious. So she took Loyola Chicago all the way to the finals and picked them to win it. So now, with her sabotaging of her own bracket, she may go on from uh, trying to tank it to actually winning the entire thing because she has Loyola Chicago. Isn't that crazy? That is crazy. And I have one more to up. uh, We also, we have the Husker hype bracket challenge and none of us were smart enough to have Loyola Chicago in it but uh there was somebody that had Loyola Chicago in the final four and I think it's Justin's daughter Andrea at Loyola Chicago making the final 
before. She did? Yes. So she must so she must have listened to the podcast <laughs> where me and Justin both had them as the Cinderella team and had them say, Hey, that's the best team, and she wrote them. So yeah, shout out to uh Justin, your daughter, for being smarter than you and getting that, that final fourteen. <laughs> <laughs> Happy birthday, Andrea, by the way. <laughs> You guys are so nice. But no, but but so hey, nice. hey, hey, you know what? Kudos to me and you, Justin. We both predicted, even though we couldn't say them two weeks ago and pronounce Loyola Chicago, <laughs> we both had him as a Cinderella team. And you know what? That is just a really cool story. And you know, with with the their nun who's been at all the games and I, I joked when this started out, when I'm 98, I hope Jordan, my fiance, rolls me out on a floor when Nebraska finally makes the tournament and could be like the spirit animal of a team. And uh, I would love that. But they're a great story. But unfortunately, I don't think it's going to have a happy ending for them because even if they make the championship, I like Villanova still. I, I think I regret any bracket. I did not have them winning. They have played damn good basketball throughout. And they have been really dominant. I, I really think Villanova is going to be the team to beat this Final Four. I think you're right. Uh, Derek? All good things come out of Chicago, man. I'll tell you. <laughs> what? Deep dish pizza? I, I really Lo- can't Loyola, think of Loyola, I'll no. be rooting for my for those Chicagoans, and uh, hopefully they can bring a championship to uh, Chicago just like the Cubs are going to do this year. You know what? In my eyes, I don't think there's any – teams that I hate in this Final Four. You know, you can say what you want about Michigan. Uh, you know, Michigan's, I respect Michigan in a basketball program anyway. They've, they've had a hell of a year. And so I can't take away from anything that they've done. You got the Loyola Chicago thing, which is a huge story. And if it wasn't for, uh, you know, UMBC upsetting Virginia in the opening round, you know, Loyola Chicago would probably be the biggest story 10 years from now, looking back. Uh, you got Villanova and Kansas. It's a great Final Four. I'm loving it. And uh, I agree with John. I think Villanova's, they're going to be the team to beat. But I know the nation, uh, most of the nation will be rooting for those, uh, those Catholic kids and Sister Jane, who, by the way, can die before tax day and be completely happy. If Loyola Chicago wins. <laughs> That's really morbid. Todd, I mean, let's not wish someone death over here, Justin. Jeez, God. <laughs> hey, Derek, edit that part out. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. We all, want to see, we all want people to see how Justin really is. Yeah. I'm just saying, let's not discount Kansas. Moment. Kansas is still playing good ball, too. I, I think they got a pretty good shot at beating Villanova. But maybe it's because I picked them to go to the finals, too. So I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I guess. All right, guys. Last call time. Last call to you, Tyler. Well, NFL free agency is upon us, and uh, the team out there making a lot of moves is the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, they they got to leave from the Broncos, who's one of the best corners in uh, football, and then just in the last thirty six hours, brought in and Dominican Sue. Um, you know, Dominic Sue's had a bad reputation in the NFL, but I still think he's arguably the best defensive tackle in the sport. He is arguably my favorite Husker of all time. Uh, I, I'm excited, and as someone who's a fan of the Atlanta Falcons the NFC, I am scared for what the Rams are going to do this next coming year. 
I'll be Dirt. right for the Rams. I mean, what the hell? I don't mind it. I love Sue. I, I, I never hated the Rams. I didn't like him going to Los Angeles, but whatever. I'll, I'll root for him this year now. Yeah, good for Sue. $14 million? It's a pretty good payday. And, and the best part is, you know, you just got to hang around there for one year. You can go to a real team after that. <laughs> well, I'm pretty sure he probably got plenty of money from uh, Miami when he left there, so... Oh, my God. He signed a Buku contract there for sure. Uh, Derek, last call to you. All right. My possibly second favorite day of the year is coming up on Thursday. Well, my first is probably the starting of football. This this one is the start of baseball, and I love baseball. You guys know this. And for all those out there who uh, watch ESPN a lot, I apologize for ESPN right now because you're going to hear about Giancarlo Stanton and uh, what's what's the other fool's name? Aaron, Aaron Judge. Judge. You're going to hear those two names all summer long, whether it's good or bad. And you're going to hear about the Yankees all summer long. So I apologize in advance because that's going to be that to- story that you get tired of, kind of like LeBron this time of year. Well, I will say as far as uh, Judge and Stanton, at least they're two likable guys. And I didn't think that uh, you could say likable guys and Yankees in the same sentence, but uh, <laughs> I just did. So, uh, yeah, baseball's here. I love it. You know, it, it's going to be exciting. It's going to be something to do on the weekends after I mow the lawn, turn on a game, and take a good nap. I love it. Tyler. Yeah. Uh, baseball season's awesome. Um, you know, the beginning of baseball season is arguably one of my favorite times, too, Derek. Uh you know, I, I, I'm here in Denver. I'm excited to be able to go check out a couple Rockies games. I'm going to get back to St. Louis for a baseball game this year. Uh, it's a great time. And I'll say anything, at least ESPN is talking about the Yankees versus the Cubs because there is nothing worse than hearing about the Cubs from ESPN. I actually agree. <laughs> I don't like I, know, I love hearing Cubs. about the Cubs. I love my Cubs. I love hearing about the Cubs, but I, I want positive reporting. <laughs> <laughs> All right, last call to me. And my last call is going out to Husker Hoops. Uh, Palmer and Copeland, they decided to go test the NBA waters. Uh, they got till May 30th to uh, make a decision whether they're going to keep their uh, names in the hat for the NF- or NBA draft. Uh I tell you what, a lot of pressure's on Tim Miles here. Tim Miles needs these two to stick around for next year. Uh, so uh, good, luck, good luck to those two and whatever they may decide. And God help Tim Miles. Well, well said, Justin. I, I am rooting for these guys long term, but as a Husker fan, uh, stay at home, get one more year. Let's get that NCAA bid, guys. Uh, I think you both have NBA careers upon you, but let's give it one more year to see if you guys can finish the job you started this year. As my cousin Justin would normally say, you know what? Go ahead and go to the NBA. Let's get Miles fired next year. What? What? I haven't said that yet. (laughs) That's what you normally say. No, good luck to both of them. Whatever. I, I hope they come back. I hope they play for us. If not, I hope they find good things coming for him in the NBA, I guess. All right, guys. Great show tonight. Let's get on. Let's uh, get out of here. Uh, be sure to follow the Husker Cuscast on Twitter at Husker Cuscast. Like us on Facebook. You can find all of our episodes on Podbean and on iTunes. Make sure you check out HuskerHype.com for all the latest in Husker news. 
behalf of Derek and Tyler, we want to thank everybody for listening. We'll see you next week. And as always, go be great.